Connors. Right, don't, be, don't, don't be, be upset at someone who's trying to spread this message. The dumbest fucking people that don't like the fact that the trailheads are getting crowded down because so many people are getting into this. Well, yeah. find another trailhead, stupid. There's a lot of trailheads. You can go all over the place. Yeah. You can just, uh, it's pretty funny to me. So this message, this clip, I should say, has been sent to me 15, 20 times via direct message, email, via my YouTube and comments or whatever. People want to know my opinion, right? Really my opinion on how social media as a whole, but particularly how Rogan and Cam have, have affected elk hunting. And we're really talking about a niche aspect of elk hunting. We're talking about public land, backcountry elk hunting, and even to some extent, we're talking about archery elk hunting. That's really where these guys have stimulated a bunch of interest. What this clip is about is Matt Ranilla, Steve Ranilla's brother. He's gotten a fair amount of traction, I'd say in the last six months and he has a lot of supporters. I know a lot of you guys that watch my channel are, are supporters of Matt. And really the idea is that Matt wants to be an advocate for the longtime hunters out there, right? Or I shouldn't say long time, but the historical elk hunters that have been negatively affected by this change. Without a doubt, there has been a change. I'm not here to tell you that there hasn't been a change in the backcountry when, when it comes to elk hunting in particular. There absolutely has been for the you know, 10, 12 years that I guided uh, elk hunters. I can tell you that five, six, seven years into it, there was a dynamic shift and a you know, a significant shift in terms of crowding, the number of people at the trailheads, and then particularly in certain parts of the year, right? Archery being, being one of them. And then in certain type of hunts also, like wilderness hunts, hunts where tag availability was there, over-the-counter elk hunts. Absolutely, the demand for those hunts has increased. And for sure, you can directly tie that to Cam, Rogan, and a lot of the, a lot of the rest of the social media influencer world. It's encouraged people to get out there and do hunts. I don't know that it's really purposely influenced people into getting into the backcountry elk hunts, but there's an economic dynamic there, right? If you just take Colorado, for instance, it's cheaper and you don't have to do a whole lot of planning if you want to get into elk hunting and you want to do you know, these kind of sexy hunts up in the mountains. Colorado and over-the-counter hunts, wilderness hunts, they tend to be where people funnel because you can just go buy the tag. You don't have to wait years to plan. So it makes sense that a lot of the demand that these folks have stimulated or the hunting industry or the hunting influencer industry has stimulated goes into those type of hunts. I think the reason that people have reached out to me and you know the reason people are curious about my opinion on this is because a lot of them know that I had to have experienced the change in my outfitting business because I've always been intertwined in this public land elk hunting, this really remote elk hunting. My whole life has been intertwined to that, my professional life, my guiding life, that was a big component of it. So there's that aspect of it. And then also people know that I've grown my YouTube channel recently and so I'm a part of this in some ways. And then the other aspect of it is people know that I'm friends with Joe and I've been on and I've been on his podcast. And just for full transparency, I do know Cam. I don't have a whole lot of interaction with him at all. I wouldn't say we're close friends or anything like that, but all my interaction with him has been has been positive. So I'll come out. I'm going to just spend 10 minutes, guys, and I'm going to give you my big picture view on this. And then, you know, maybe in future episodes, if you guys have a lot of comments on this and we get into some deep discussion, maybe I'll do follow on episodes because there's tons of depth to the layers on this. I'm just gonna give you my overall thought on this. And I can tell you right now, I know a lot of you are not gonna like it. I get that, I totally get it. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been a negative change for some people when we talk about these type of hunts. There absolutely has been. So 
I don't want to be divisive at all, but I also want you guys to know my opinion on this and how I think about it. And how I'm going to do that is I'm going to actually talk about it in the sense of an analogy. If I talk about it in the sense of my elk hunting and the outfitting business and the guiding business and, and all of that, I don't think it's going to be as applicable. That's very unique to me, right? I'm not somebody who just does wilderness elk hunts and has done wilderness elk hunts for the last 20 years with my family every fall. I really don't have that experience, right? I have a totally different experience in the wilderness, right? This dynamic change, this increase in demand, it had, it had negative consequences for me as a guide and outfitter and it had positive ones, right? So I mixed on that front. Just my direct incentives, it's, it's mixed, right? Because one, you know, when I was outfitting and there was this massive influx of elk hunters, particularly guys that were in damn good shape, had great gear, and they, and they you know, pretty strong mindset too, those folks, I all of a sudden had to compete with them in a lot of country that had historically been outfitted country or country at least that really only, I only competed with very dedicated people with pack animals and that sort of thing, right? So it increased competition there, but at the same time, it drastically increased demand for some of my hunts, particularly like drop camp elk hunts, even my guided hunts, because they were, you know, they were middle of the road cost, but they were in the wilderness areas. They were in the true backcountry, so they were true, you know, true elk hunts, or I can just say true elk hunts, but they were kind of like the nostalgic elk hunt that everybody talks about, kind of the type of elk hunting that has become sexy over the years. So I benefited from massive increase of demand, right? So that's my long explanation of why I'm not just going to talk about it as a guide or as an outfitter or as a public land elk hunter, because my experience is unique in that regard. How I'm going to talk about this concept is actually in the context of me getting into other experiences. I've got a little bit of a Hemingway complex. I'm into deep sea fishing. I'm into spear fishing. There's a lot of other activities that I like and enjoy, and I'd like to become more and more proficient at. They're very important parts of my life. And that's one thing that I'll say right now. It, I do think it's a positive, a very huge positive for guys getting into elk hunting to pursue something that they want to get better at, they want to master. I feel like that dynamic is life-changing for people. So absolutely, if Joe or Cam or whoever are introducing people to that train, right, that, you know, that line of activity, I think in many ways that's saving people's lives. A lot of people's lives I truly think are saved by developing a passion in something and just focusing on something they want to enjoy and they want to get proficient at, they want to master. So I think that's a very positive thing. And some of you may disagree with that. You may think there's less value to that than I'm putting out there. And if you are that way, then there's some logic of you know why you think that there's less value in getting new people into elk hunting. But that's that's kind of an aside. What I want to focus on here is I want to focus on how I view one of my passions, probably my biggest passion outside of hunting, and that's spearfishing. So it's very analogous to elk hunting in the sense that, you know, historically it hasn't had a whole lot of, you know, sexiness around it. It hasn't had a whole lot of press. There's been very few participants, but I'd say in the last 10 years, there's been a steady uptick in participation. There's been more people in the water, more people doing it. And so you've seen a similar dynamic to the elk hunting world. And the reason I like to talk about this analogy is I have been a part of that uptick, right? I was a new spear fishing during this era of influx. So I'd like to look at the elk hunting world and this dynamic of Matt Ranella versus Cam and Joe. I like to look at that 
from the perspective as a new spear fisherman. And spear fishing has the same dynamic that it's a limited resource, right? If I'm in the water trying to blue water spear fish, wahoo, you know, there could be other boats in the area and therefore there's crowding and there's pressure amongst us. So I'm hypothetically putting a small externality on people who have been doing it years before me. It's a very similar dynamic. But I want to dive in to some deep questions on it. The first question I have is, me as an individual, am I doing something immoral or wrong by getting into that activity knowing that it does have, even if I try my best to mitigate it, right? Even if I try to follow all the cultural rules, I'm going to stay away from other people that are doing, you know, these guys over here are doing a drift. I'm going to make sure we go find a different piece of structure and we're going to spearfish drift on that structure instead. So I'm trying to do all the cultural things to mitigate, you know, that negative externality I put on the people who have traditionally done this activity. But if I do all of that, it's still the case that I'm affecting their experience. I, I acknowledge that. So the first question I have for myself, am I doing something morally wrong you know, by pursuing this activity that's based on a limited resource? Personally, I don't think I am. I think that I have the freedom to pursue happiness. For God's sake, it's in our you know, Declaration of Independence. I do think that I have the right to do that. And the reality is, and this specifically applies in the law when it comes to wildlife in the US, these states are, are controlling and managing the wildlife for all residents of that state. That includes non-hunters, hunters now, hunters in the future. So everybody has equal ownership of these animals in the state that they reside, right? I don't believe that I'm doing anything morally wrong by entering the activity of spearfishing. And in a sense, I think I'm doing something good and it is selfish, but it's still overall a net positive. It makes me happy. This pursuit and getting better at this pursuit makes me a happier man, probably makes me a better husband, makes me a better fellow worker, makes me a better business partner, all of those things. So to me, it's a net positive on that front. So I don't see anything morally wrong with going into one of these activities that does have a limited resource. I don't even think Matt Ranello would disagree with that. When I've heard him talk about this dynamic in the elk hunting world, he really is not busting the balls of individuals that decide to get into the elk hunting activity, get into backcountry elk hunting, right? He's not, I don't think he has anything against that. I think the vast majority of you guys' viewers are not gonna have anything against that. But the next step is where this gets controversial. The reason that I've been able to get into spearfishing is one, I've had some mentors in it, individuals that I've had direct contact with who have been willing to spend their time, their expertise to help me get better at the sport and also encourage me. If it was not for them, I don't think I would have pursued it. And part of that is that they've enjoyed it so much, they wanna see other people enjoy it. There's absolutely, I think that's part of it. Part of it is I think they're just good people and they, you know, they feel good about helping me on it, right? So a lot of those are direct connections, but also a lot of those are YouTubers and spearfishing influencers who have a ton of content out there, right? On free diving, safety when you're out spearfishing, spearfishing different regions of the world. Those, there's a lot of those guys out there and that's perfectly analogous to what I do on YouTube and what Cam, what, and what Cam does in a way bigger way on, on, his, on his platforms. And the thing that's crazy about Cam is I don't really view him as a direct backcountry elk promoter. That's why it's a little bit weird. He has such a huge audience. I think he gets looped into this and he's like one of the big factors, but he's really just a motivator. And one of the things he really enjoys is elk hunting. So it kind of like, 
it turns into more, you know, people want to do what he's doing and they want to be motivated by what he's doing. But it's kind of interesting because I don't view Cam as like very specifically niched to backcountry elk hunting. I more view him as just like a, you know, live a health, healthy lifestyle, pursue your dreams. For him, it happens to be elk hunting. So he's very motivated on that. But I, anyways, it's, it's kind of an aside, but I find it interesting that he, he gets looped into that. But anyways, when we talk about Spearfishing, th these are things that have motivated me and kept me in the sport for years, right? There's all that content out there. There's all these spearfishing influencers keeping me in the game and motivating me. So the second question is, a lot of those influencers are people who have historically spearfished for decades, right? You know, you've got uh, Kimmy, Kimmy Warner does a bunch of stuff with Steve Rinella. You've got, you know, Daniel Mann on YouTube. You've got a lot of these different figures on YouTube that I, that I watch and they spear, they've spearfished for decades, right? So are they doing something morally wrong to the spear fishermen that came before me? They shared these oceans and these fish resources with over the years. Are those influencers doing something, something morally wrong to those other, you know, those other participants that came before the influx in demand? And I hate to say it, and I'm sure a lot of you are going to think it's self-serving, but I personally don't think they have. I think they all acknowledge that they have created a change and they have created a negative externality to people who had been doing the activity for years. And a lot of them are probably people they know that they grew up spearfishing with, you know, either, you know, or they just knew through the grapevine. You know, they have created a little bit of a negative change for them because some spots have changed, more people know about the spots, there's more demand for fishing charters in there, all of that stuff. There's just more crowding, right? So absolutely, they know there's a negative, but they also know there's this huge positive, right? They can change people's lives by introducing them to something that they, those individuals can become obsessed with, they can progress with, they can have something in a, in a lot, it sounds so cliche, but they can have something to live for, right? Outside of my family and my health, one of the things that really keeps me happy in life is pursuing this type of passion. And in this case, spearfishing, right? The fact that, you know, a week and a half ago, I finally killed a blue water wahoo, right, in Puerto Rico, like that was a goal of mine those little goals keep me going and they keep the fire in my soul so there's a huge net positive that these influencers have given me and they've given to a hundred you know hundreds and thousands of other people or not probably not hundreds of thousands but tens of thousands of other people who've gotten gotten into spearfishing so yes there's a little negative externality but they've created an enormous amount of positivity in a lot of people's lives so i don't think they're doing anything morally wrong by introducing people to this activity. Now, I've got a couple caveats in there, right? I do think it's important, and I touched on it real briefly, I do think it's important as people get introduced to a new activity that they do become accustomed to the social norms, right? Because a lot of the social norms and the culture of these activities, a lot of that is actually meant to mitigate the change, right? Mitigate the externality, the increase in demand for the activity does right so people know not to go drift the exact same structure that there's a dive flag on right now right people know that because if they didn't know that and they went and did that it would heavily impact those guys drift that are already in the water so you go find different structure and you drift that and that's a cultural norm in surfing you've got to know the rules of the lineup you've got to know the safety rules in terms of entering a wave all of that stuff who has priority those cultural things are really important to know and i think it's the same thing with elk hunting even the ones that are not 
set in stone. We do want to foster that in people. I think it's important that as people get into these sports, they do make a concerted effort to know those things so they can mitigate the externality that they're imposing on hunters who are out there in the woods and have been out there in the woods for decades before. And I think that's part of this that doesn't need to be divisive. You know, we, we can all get along to the extent that we acknowledge that more demand is going to affect everybody's experience. All right, let's listen to it again. Said that someone was trying to spread this message. Yeah. And then there's the, the dumbest fucking people that don't like the fact that the trailheads are getting crowded now because so many people are getting into this. Well, yeah. find another trailhead, stupid. There's a lot of trailheads. You can go all over the place. Yeah. You just, it's pretty funny to me. So to hear it again, this is what I'll say on it, right? I wouldn't have said it the way that Joe said it. Sorry, power went out. Puerto Rico. I wouldn't have said it the way Joe said it. And the reason is, and this is, I guess, is a critique on Joe to some extent. Joe said it in a way that it seemed very apparent to me that he doesn't have full context of what these changes mean for some people. We're talking about people who have hunted certain locations, certain units for decades, 20, 30, 40 years, maybe 70 years over multiple generations of their family, right? So when you look at it in that context, these changes, they suck for some people, man. Like changing to a new area, a new unit, having to spend gas to go to a new state, you know, learn elk in a new area, that sucks. I totally acknowledge that. You have to put it in context. The way Joe does these, I mean, I've been there in the studio and had discussions with Joe. These are just discussions between two guys. You know, maybe the tone and, you know, the harshness of things is all over the place. Maybe he meant it, maybe he didn't. But the overall theme of what he said, I agree with. I know that's gonna just burn a lot of you guys and crush a lot of you guys because it sucks. This change sucks for a lot of us, but the only way to mitigate how this change is gonna affect your personal elk hunting is to learn how to adapt. And that means you're probably gonna have to start putting in for these draws a little bit, you know, you know, getting one or two preference points in different states, spending some gas money, spending some travel time to go hunt other states. And that's the only way you're gonna retain the quality of elk hunting that you've experienced over the last decade. That's just a fact of this change. But I don't feel that Cam or Joe or myself or social media world has done something morally wrong to historical hunters. The same exact way I view the spearfishing world in an analogous way where I'm the new entrant to it, right? People have gone out of their way to bring me into that sport and I'm forever grateful for that. I know, I mean, I get tons of emails myself. I can only imagine what Cam and Joe get. I get emails, DMs all the time about how, you know, pursuing this dream of a backcountry elk hunt has changed somebody's life. I get that stuff all the time, so I know it does that. So there's this huge positive right there, right? So even given the negative consequences of this influx, I believe that there's a massive net positive to people pursuing this stuff. So I agree with the sentiment of Joe's statement. Look, you're going to have to adapt. Change is coming, but this stuff has helped a lot of people because they're, they're enjoying an activity that you enjoy. Right now, you can't argue. You can, you can focus on the elk hunting crowding during archery elk season, right? And that's what a lot of people are doing. And a lot of the content that I've seen Matt talk about, he's really focusing on this too. He's focusing on a small segment of hunting opportunity. Archery, elk hunting, over-the-counter or easy-to-draw tags, wilderness areas, a really remote forest service. There's a lot more demand there and there is a lot of crowding there. You might have to move outside of that. Look at other hunting opportunities. Look at 
other types of hunts you can do, other things you can do in the outdoors. Maybe you start doing some more fishing. That's just the reality of this. There's still a massive supply of these type of activities. And I'm not gonna say that you can do it for the same amount of money or the same amount of time. It is what it is. You're gonna have to adapt your life to it. I've made a ton, a shitload of sacrifices to pursue the dreams I have in the outdoor space. Is that good or bad overall? I don't know, but I have done it. So I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for people who are unwilling to do that at all. And I feel that to some extent. I feel that a lot of people making this argument are very unwilling to make any changes in their hunting world, right? They just view it as all oh, my hunting world's ruined because Cam and Joe ruined it because there's some guys in my hunting spot. Well, you have to move beyond that and put out the effort. So I know a bunch of you guys are gonna have something to say about that. Please leave it down in the comments. I'd love to have a discussion with folks and I'll do my best to really get in the comments on this one. I know I've been you know, missing from a lot of the comment threads recently, but this one I'll really try to get in there. If we have some good discussion on certain topics, I'll have a few more videos on this. I skipped a lot of the depth that I had in my notes, right? I was gonna touch on you know, the equal ownership of wildlife within states, all of that stuff, and there's some really good arguments to have and getting that nitty gritty, but I just wanted to first give you a video of my overview and my thought process on this. If you found value in this video or if you just found it entertaining, do me a huge favor and like it and subscribe to the channel. I'll catch you guys later.